Oh, wait, wait, sorry. This is the east, isn't it? This is the east. God damn it. Did I fuck that up? It says west, but we just need to say east. Yep, I did. It's okay, I can just say. And then we have the east. And I don't know, switch that in. Or fucking leave it, whatever. Right. Live from the Mundangerous World Tree in New York City, I'm your host Shane. And I'm your host, Ishan. And welcome to episode 244 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're traveling from the Sword Coast to the Endless Wastes, from Chult to Fey and Menzo Baranzen. It's finally here, the Forgotten Realms campaign setting. You can thank or blame our Patreon backers for making this episode happen. Oh, it's happening. It's happening right now. You can't stop it. We can't stop it. (laughs) This episode is also brought to you by Elderwood Academy. Elderwood Academy are artisans who craft amazing gaming products, including dice towers, dice trays, dice boxes, deck boxes, dice, and more. All products are crafted to look like spellbooks, scroll cases, codices, and other awesome fantasy gear that we love. So, Ishan, I was just checking out their website, and I noticed that they have expanded their line of Acquisitions, Inc. merchandise. Isn't Acquisitions, Inc., a campaign that takes place in the Forgotten Realms? It is, in in its own weird way. (laughs) (laughs) A spinoff, if you will. Um, (laughs) Very fitting. But yeah, no, so they they had the Employees Manual, which is like the spell book, you know, like the little box that contains your your mini and your dice and like a pen and like stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Um, So they had that, that had wrapped around it like the Acquisitions, Inc. Employee Manual logo. Now you can get like the scroll rolling tray or the dice tower that have like the similar logo uh, embossed in the leather. So I thought that was kind of cool because, uh, you know, I, I don't have the spell box. I do have the scroll rolling tray. I love that. Like, you know, I like Acquisitions Inc. I think that's that would be a cool thing to have on there that isn't just like your usual kind of fantasy flames or dragon or whatever. I mean, I'll tell you right now, I it took me a while to realize that I don't want just one rolling tray. Uh, I don't want one particular item, one accoutrement to go with a game that I'm playing. And what I want is specific dice and a tray that I'm going to bring to play in our Dark Sun game. And then when we switch campaigns later to play in Eberron or to play in Forgotten Realms or whatever it is that we're doing, I want all the different stuff. I want a different mini. I want different dice. I want a different tray. I want a different logo on like the, the spell book thing that I'm bringing, you know? I, you have officially reached the accessories tier of gaming. <laughs> Welcome to the party. <laughs> That's the only way that people make money in this industry. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if that's interesting, you can uh, check out the Acquisitions Inc. products and many more customized to your taste at elderwoodacademy.com slash don't split. All right. So here we are, uh, tail end of March 2020, recording this episode. I hope that someday down the line when people, I don't know, discover the pod and are going through like back episodes, they listen to this little note and they're like, I don't really remember that. That's not really relevant anymore, but be safe out there with COVID-19. Yeah. uh, Take it seriously. We're in New York, which is the epicenter. There are, what, over 100,000 cases now, 80,000 of which are in New York. Like, uh, it's real. <laughs> like, stay home. I mean, even by the time this episode is published, those numbers will be woefully inadequate to describe right. how many people are infected. Yeah. 
it's uh it's it's really it's absurd like do what you can stay home stay safe flatten the curve uh it's not a joke one of our listeners um is actually works for fema uh is on the front line like trying to help get supplies into the places where they need to be and he's like please you have a platform for however many listeners you have just tell them take it seriously and be safe yeah and i know there's a lot of people uh, on the discord who are talking like i i understand a lot of you have jobs or you're essential workers where you either can't stay home um we all really appreciate those of you who have to be out there who are delivering things who healthcare workers um Again, just try to be as safe as possible. And if you do not have to be out there, please make everyone else who does have to be out there safer by staying home. Yeah. And, and keep in mind, like people are getting furloughed. People are losing their jobs. Like not everybody is getting to to be stable during this period. So if there's things you can do to help, um, look out for your friends and family because we've got to get through this together. Yeah. You can actually uh, support your favorite creators, um, you know. Local restaurants buy gift certificates. Uh, I know a lot of uh, stores are doing like clothing stores are doing like sales. Like we got to stay in business. You don't necessarily need those things delivered right now because you're not going anywhere. And also you don't want to put the delivery person at risk, but you can buy a gift certificate and just spend it later. You know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a nice little like interest free loan you're giving to a uh, an organization or a business that you want to support. OK, speaking of social distancing, this is a terrible transition. <laughs> a very serious topic, uh, but uh, we are playing in a live game, uh, streaming yet again. Our, our second foray into streaming. Uh, Shane, I don't, I don't want to do another game where one of us is running a game and the other one is playing in it on a live stream. Don't worry, we we conned Aram into doing this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Aram, the, the GM of God's Fall and Rise of the Demigods, is going to be running Shane, me, and. Uh, Sally from the Band of Blades stream that we ran through, I guess, a little maybe four-ish session game. I don't really know exactly what we're doing, except that it turns out we're in Forgotten Realms. Yeah, we're playing Castle Amber. (laughs) Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And we are, uh, I think our current incarnation is that we are the Goblinoid Workers Union. Uh, their their labor attorney, a gnome assistant, and two bugbear bug bros who are going to break some skulls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to this. Uh, I think this is going to be the first party I've been in in a long time where everybody's going to be speaking goblin. <laughs> yeah, except you. No, no, no. I speak goblin. Oh, good, because I speak gnomish. I'm not letting you get away with it. <laughs> I only speak gnomish when I'm insulting you. <laughs> I but actually, that's that's what gnomish is. Actually, it's just insults about bugbears, right? <laughs> you know, because gnomes can speak to small beasts, and I just assumed that bugbears are burrowing creatures. Uh, and it sounds—I mean, it sounds by the name, bugbear seems small, doesn't it? It's bug, <laughs> it's a bear, it's just a scale thing. It's it's so confusing. I don't even understand. I was expecting a ladybug or something, right? Uh, so that'll be Friday, eight p.m. Uh, Eastern on Twitch.tv/GodsFall for the next month, I think. Yeah, starting tomorrow. Yeah, literally tomorrow. So, Ishan, should we come clean? Uh, I hope everyone has realized by now, yesterday's episode was a uh, fake. It was fake. April Fool's got him. Ha-ha! Uh, injecting a little bit of levity into your quarantine time. Yeah, you had no you had no drive time shock jock DJ to uh, to pull one on you early in the morning. So instead, you got us. 
Yeah, you know, I, I would have been uh, more remiss to do it with people just sort of driving into work normally because, you know, uh, you download your podcast, you put it on, you're ready for your commute, and then it peters out seven minutes into your drive. Yeah. Well, that would be quite a dick move. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, hey, here's the real one. Yeah, so in honor of the real one, uh, I think I am required to open a beer. Please you do. You were feeling uh, a little under the weather, so we're not going to do that. You know, so long ago, when we first said we were going to do a Forgotten Realms episode, I was like, oh my God, we're going to be like at your like dining room table drunk, because how else would we do this episode? Agreed. <laughs> now, uh, one of us is at my dining room table drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it it is weird, but I think it will still be good. Uh, I expected that we would have, I don't know, mead or something in hand. Maybe Corona would be more fitting, but (laughs) (laughs) here we are. All right. Uh, so for the rest of the episode, we're going to skip Gates of Morning and we're also going to skip the character creation forge. Those will be back next week. So forgotten realms. Yeah. Now we read the wiki, so you don't have to. Hey, and that's all we did. (laughs) (laughs) so the entire point of this series of episodes is to give you an overview of different campaign settings so that your group can decide if you want to play a game in that setting i mean i don't know that we really need to do that for this one because i think every listener has played a game in the forgotten realms even if they didn't intend to yeah if you've played fifth edition dungeons and dragons it's very likely you accidentally played in forgotten realms if you played 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons, well, uh, Points of Light and the Nentir Veil kind of got eaten by the Forgotten Realms, so, you know, right. you kind of de facto <laughs> have also. All right, so what's the elevator pitch for the Forgotten Realms? Hey, you ever played D&D? Like, you know, elves and dragons and fireballs and angry gods and giants and stuff? You ever hear of Baldur's Gate or Neverwinter Nights or yeah. El- Elminster or Driss or Minsk or Volo or Xanathar? I like some of them. Yeah, that's Forgotten Realms. You're here. <laughs> You already live here. We're doing a campaign setting on like your apartment building. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's the uh it's the generic fantasy as required to make D&D work. Right. It's the Bruce Springsteen song uh, about small American towns of campaign <laughs> settings. So it's you, every Bruce Springsteen song. <laughs> you listen to and you go, "Oh, hey, I know that. That's familiar and comforting." Oh, that's that's actually perfect. It's it's every Bruce Springsteen song except for the ones that are good. Those are Greyhawk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit about the history of Forgotten Realms. It began in the long, long ago, even before D anD D. Actually, it did. Yeah, created by Ed Greenwood as the setting for his childhood writing back in the mid '60s. And I would argue it hasn't changed a whole lot since then. Much like Ed Greenwood. <laughs> Seriously, go look at pictures of this guy. He definitely wants to be Gandalf. Yeah, it's uh, it's a thing. Okay, so in 1979, he began writing articles about the Forgotten Realms in Dragon Magazine. Skip ahead a few years, and in 1986, he sells the rights to TSR, which of course was then publishing Dungeons & Dragons, for Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition, and helps create the Forgotten Realms campaign setting box set. So this is wild. He literally sold it for like a dollar to TSR. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he retained enough of the rights for himself that like now he's set and he can he still controls his characters. He still controls all of those elements of it. Um, so he gets to write his Elminster novels whenever he wants and can veto anybody else using characters he doesn't want them to. 
Yeah, and I'm pretty sure his contract like actually stipulates that anything he says or writes is canon, like is canon. So and cannot be contradicted. So he can put whatever he wants in a book. He can like give a talk at a convention, and that thing is true. Mm-hmm. Yep, the joy houses were great. <laughs> Um, so in 1988, a couple years later, the first video game and the original gold box game, Pools of Radiance, was released. I mean, do you even have a campaign setting if you don't have a video game? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in, in Forgotten Realms, I mean, this is why Forgotten Realms is so popular, right? Is yeah. Because they were early in video games. And it, every generation of video games had Forgotten Realms one, except the current one. Because <laughs> we don't talk about this. Yeah, I mean, there's so many people, I think, who got into D&D because of the Forgotten Realms video games. Right, right. Um, or the novels, right? Because the same year, 1988, uh, R.A. Salvatore published the first Forgotten Realms novel, which was Crystal Shard. Um, that had Drist in it for the first time, though he wasn't the main character. Um, an interesting fact about that, again, from the Wikipedia, which I read, so you don't have to. <laughs> Uh, Dritz was a replacement character that TSR wouldn't let him use, presumably because a green one wouldn't let him use it, um, that he made up on the spot as his managing editor was walking into a marketing meeting and needed a replacement. You know, good job, Bob Salvatore. Uh, better known as the man who killed Chewbacca. Uh, okay. <laughs> Still haven't let the EU go, huh? <laughs> Never. 1988, big year for all of us, really, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. And also, I think uh, Kirk Cameron was basically uh, the most popular person on television. Okay. <laughs> also in 88, Greenwood's first novel, Spellfire, and then also became uh, an overpowered ability that the Chosen of Mistra have. Right. <laughs> it, in 94, we get Elminster, The Making of a Mage, which gives us way too much information about Elminster's past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um let's just go ahead and call that the last forgotten realms novel because i don't want to talk about oh mister's nonsense <laughs> ever again yeah there's like eight more novels. just about him there's, there's three trilogies about elminster and that's pretty much all at greenwood writes is elminster i mean that's what happens when you never die right uh so it then obviously continued uh on in third edition as a setting supplement so there was another um campaign setting book and then in fourth edition we got the spell plague Oh, the spell plague, uh, which basically blew up the entire realms. We'll get into more detail then. But Shane, I have wait. So okay, you played. You didn't play fourth edition, right? Correct. So you never played a game where the spell plague like had happened. Correct. Okay, I have exactly one spell plague story. <laughs> okay, from, from a game. Okay, uh, it's good that we talked about Drizzt a little bit because, like I have talked before, um, I was a '90s kid, uh, sad and mopey, and, and Drizzt, at least back in the days, like sort of spoke to me. Um, I cannot use that as as an excuse because the spell plague happened in like 2008, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, which is when my story is set. Uh, so in 2007, I um, started in a Forgotten Realms a game set in the Forgotten Realms uh -huh. uh, with a, that a buddy of mine was running, um, and I. I'm embarrassed to say I created uh, a, f a fighter who uh, worshipped the god of death uh, and he used a scythe because why wouldn't he do that? And he had like long dark hair and he had like a snake familiar and he was going to become a red dragon disciple and he was from Thay and like... <laughs> I'm cringing. I know, I this know. This is the and, sound of me cringing. And my, and my GM who uh, played a lot of D&D &D, like on active duty in Iraq 
saw that backstory and was like, yes, I love this. And I was like, I know, me too. This is so good. And his name was Abel. Abel Seth. Like, Abel, the name of the first victim of murder. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> and Seth, the first syllable of Sephiroth? <laughs> uh, maybe. All right. So we play that for a little while, and then that game totally falls apart because of 4th edition, because the GM hated the changes to Forgotten Realms, hated the Spell Plague, and so the Spell Plague blew up my game in the same way that it uh, blew up Halrua. Ooh, deep cuts. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, but okay, here's the thing, though. He tried to bring it back in 4th edition. He was like, fine, fine, I really like this game. We're going to like reset it. We're going to fast forward 100 years, just like the Realms. You're going to bring your characters back. You're going to get like reanimated or something. Like, tell me what happened. And I, um, being a munchkin, turned my fighter scythe wielder into a sword sage and then turned him into uh, an elf because that's better than what the human that he was. It's better for sword sage. Uh, And then uh, there was this like, I don't know, mystical darkness that like spoke to him in the like while he was dead for 100 years and then like remade him into an elf. And that character's new name. Kane, of course. Kane. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. How did I not see that coming? <laughs> so anyway, that lasted probably three sessions, and then and then that also fell apart. So and the then spell mercifully, plague, that fell apart. The spell plague killed many, many things. That, that, <laughs> and, that, and that's it. That's all I've played. I, I never played fourth edition Forgotten Realms again. I, I mean, uh, I, I really... So, I, you know, like you said, I, I didn't play fourth edition. I was kind of out of gaming at that point. Um, and following it from afar, you know, um, and so like it just it blows my mind that people cared that much about the canon changing that they couldn't just be like, hey, no, it's cool. We'll just set our game 100 years earlier. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Like I, I feel like so many so much of the outcry was from people who had been playing in a Forgotten Realms game for probably years. Right. And. Now they're like, oh no, our whole world exploded and how do we incorporate that? And I was just like, don't. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> you could not. Because also, I mean, we'll get into this later, but you're not incorporating all the canon stuff anyway. You can't because then whatever your characters are doing doesn't matter. Right, right. Okay, so continuing on with our uh, our real history. Right, of sorry, Realms. sorry. Yes, back to history. <laughs> We're now in 5th edition. This is the default setting of Dungeons & Dragons. There's no more spell plague. It got retconned. You can read the Sword Coast Adventures guide if you really want to know why. Uh, we did already do that, but I don't know. Don't bother. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, and here we are. And And I'll say this. For what is considered the default setting for 5th edition, we haven't actually gotten all that much Forgotten Realms Content. content i mean we've gotten a lot of adventures right yeah but i have no idea what like cormier really looks like yeah there's a lot of information about Waterdeep, baldur's gate and the sword coast um and like northern faerun but like that's it really yeah there's a lot of information about like a 200 mile stretch of the beach right <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of which, let's start talking about geography. Okay. So the planet is called Toral. Uh, there's like, I don't know, Toral Abir or whatever. Abir, Toral. It just depends on which version you're talking about, whatever. Who cares? Uh, the main continent that everybody cares about is called Faerun. Uh, the other stuff, uh, whatever. 
Um, okay, so there is the continent of Karatur, which is basically East Asian exoticized fantasy written by white people for white people. Shane, you gave this a racism index of seven. I think I would agree. That is just bog standard racism. (laughs) (laughs) It checks all the boxes you expect and none of the ones you don't. Lovely. And there's the endless wastes. Uh, I think sometimes this is called the the horde lands. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Which is also not a great name because, of course, they're steppe lands filled with barbarians on horseback. Um, They're Mongols. Mm-hmm. They've got they, a Genghis Khan. They got their own Genghis Khan. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is what like the this is the white scars from 40k, right? Uh, yeah, except like <laughs> at least the white scars are like literally the embodiment of Genghis Khan. Like Khan is their leader. He is the like successor of the great Khan. At least there is like a a direct connection between them of like a great warrior of history reborn as Primarch. <laughs> oh right, because uh yeah, uh, 40k basically takes place 38,000 years in our future. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this this one is like we didn't have to do that, but we did. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? All right, this gets a solid seven too. I mean, yeah. this is to be expected. <laughs> Literally written by the same white guy. Oh, wonderful. Um, which you know, I like. For its time, like I don't know, like you can kind of we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, I think where we get real bad, um, and I don't know how this ever made it out, is Mystica, uh, literally named as a portmanteau of Mayan plus Aztec Mystica. Oh, because fuck the fuck the Incas, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, as somebody who you would think would appreciate a portmanteau, fuck this place. <laughs> It is one of the very rare representations of pre-Columbian Mesoamerican culture in fantasy, which is like grossly underserved, except instead of serving it, the author decided to treat Faerunian adventurers as the conquistadors. Yes. Oh, this must have been evil campaigns, right? Nope. Uh, He himself said he always thought the conquistadors were the closest thing to a real life D&D story. And this isn't like some secret that was buried to the sands of time that I uncovered just to be upset about. That is the quote from the marketing text that is on the box on the DMs Guild today. If you go look up Maztica, you can download the PDF and that is in the text describing it. Yeah, um, it, it is unsurprising, sadly. Do you want to say this next part? Because Jesus. <laughs> I, hey, look. The guy did a lot of research, okay? He went to the National Archive in uh, Mexico, uh, and he also went to such tourist destinations as Tulum and Chichen Itza in order to, quote, get it right. (laughs) Which I assume he means get it right in writing off my vacation to Cancun. (laughs) Hi. I'd like uh, one admission to the National Archives of Mexico, please. I'd like to uh, plan how to destroy your country again. Exactly. Uh, this one is a full-on 10 for the racism index for me. <laughs> it's it's super terrible. Um, yeah, there are ways to incorporate uh, pre-Columbian American societies in uh, RPGs. This is not how to do it. Yeah, I mean, oh, it would be really cool to, to get a lot of that like actually well-represented by people of that culture. Um, like, I would love to read that. But, oh boy, turning that into the the sandbox for your Faerunian conquistadors is just the wrong way to do it. I mean, this isn't the only place this happens in Forgotten Realms. We'll talk about more of that later. But okay, I, I'm sure there's some listeners right now who are, who are saying like, 
okay, that's not that's not racism, right? That that might uh, just be misguided, but you know, at least they were attempting to be like representative or inclusive. Uh, and look, like I get that, and I will say, I don't think it's not. I don't think it's intentional, right? I don't think even people who went out to like write these settings were like, ah, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make fun of racial minorities, like that. That wasn't the intent, you know. Right, right. And you know, there was a time like when any representation was considered better than no representation. Like when I was little, there was a Hanna Barbera cartoon called Hong Kong Fooey, where. Uh, like a a jive talking dog dressed up in like a karate gi and like karate chopped bad guys. And I watched that as a little Asian kid and was like, I love this. He's Asian and he's a good guy. And like, that is all that it took for me to be like, <laughs> this is awesome. And now, God, it's so, it's so bad. Like, I actually, I, I'm not even going to sing like the, um, the little ditty that, that started before because that is racist too. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no, but like, any representation is not better than, you know, just leaving it alone if you have no business dealing with something like this. Yeah. Oh, man. I... <sighs> and, like, and like times change, right? Like, the, the NAACP would not have named itself that were it created today, right? Right. It would be Black Lives Matter. Right. However, like, to your point, this is something that you have said uh, previously before, like, about problematic books, all different types of problematic books. Like, yes, you know, you, you want to look at them in the, the spirit of their times and, and when they were created, but they still exist right now. Like you said, you can go look on the DMs Guild and go get it right now, and people can still buy them and read them and be influenced by them and think they're okay. Right. Yeah, I, I, uh, it's it's tough because, like, that was actually one of the things that I took electives on in college, like specifically like um, Mesoamerican culture and, and pre-Columbian Mesoamerican as like part of Latin American history. Right. Um, and it's, it's fascinating to me. And like, I understand some of the appeal of those kinds of stories and like that kind of mythology, like is different and is really interesting as an outsider. And like, I could see wanting to incorporate that into a game, but like, it's just not the right way to do it. You know, like that, uh, it's, it's very frustrating. Um, it's one of those things where, where, like you said, like, it's difficult to even know what the harm is until years later. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just better not to. I mean, like, I, I totally agree with you. I would love to see like uh, a setting based in, in those areas and in, in those times or, you know, even like inspired by them. Like I would, I would murder a baby panda to get like a, a really good uh, journey to the West setting that I could play in. That was, that was like representative and, and like made by people who had any business making it in the first place, you know, but eh, you know, all right, it is what it is. Are you allowed to say murder a baby panda? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, okay, um, is, is that you know, the, the, the Chinese, the, the Chinese communist government could just stop cutting down, you know, bamboo forests, uh, <laughs> which is actually what's happening. Right. But, <laughs> but I'm here talking about killing one panda to actually get us a really good setting based on Chinese mythology and I'm the bad guy. Okay. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of not really the bad guy, uh, <laughs> if, if I have to say one thing in Ed Greenwood's defense, he is very on record about hating all of these Bolton regions, mm -hmm. Karator, uh, Mystica, uh, the Horde lands, like all of this stuff came on sort of after his core concept. They were unknown continents that then got fleshed out by TSR. Um, I don't know if that's because they were neighbor's toys in his sandbox or if it's because he thinks they're problematic. 
but he doesn't like them either. So you can play very canon Forgotten Realms if you would like and just ignore the problematic stuff. Yeah, I think that's what we do. Which we should probably do for the rest of this episode. (laughs) Done. Done. Approved. (laughs) So then let's talk about different parts of Faroon because that's probably where you're going to be playing. In the West, there's the Sword Coast, which is... 250 miles where all the action happens. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the New York DC corridor. Oh, it totally, totally is. It's just an Amtrak. <laughs> it's like, it's from Boston to DC, that's it. <laughs> right, it's Neverwinter, Waterdeep, Baldur's Gate from north to south. I always got confused about these cities, right? Because every time you have a story or a video game or whatever set in one of these cities, it's always talking about how, like, Neverwinter is the jewel of the North. Mm-hmm. Waterdeep is the city of splendors. Like, okay, but which one's Boston and which one's New York? Be honest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I guess neither. Neverwinter got um, not exploded. I mean, I guess it all died in fourth edition and now it's uh, back. Oh, it did? Oh, yeah, right. So, yeah. In the spell plague. Yeah. It also all died in the video game. There was that whole plague thing. Oh, right? yeah, the Wailing Death. Man, yeah. that was deep. That was intense. Mm-hmm. No, Fenthic, run. <laughs> Don't trust Death there. Uh, and then, yeah, I think of, of the two, like, Neverwinter is the nice city. Waterdeep is the one run by the rich nobles, and Baldur's Gate is the horribly corrupt one. Oh, yeah, totally. It's it's the one run by doppelgangers. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, then you have the Moonshade Isles, kind of off the coast. Uh, is this Elfland? Right. Evereska, right? Is that, is that where it is? All the elves live on the islands? I mean, look, Ed Greenwood probably, I'm going to say, read The Lord of the Rings and uh, looked at the map. You think? <laughs> and put the ocean on the left side of the map and put some islands in that ocean and put some elves on that island. <laughs> <laughs> but then you know he expanded from there down a little lower he put some gnomes <laughs> and then uh farther to the south uh, i think uh you get some of these in the Baldur's gate games there are the lands of intrigue um and kalimshan i actually hate the phrase lands of intrigue because then you get sort of like the the arabian nights uh street rat uh like uh shady dealings market bazaar type feel that yeah really but, shouldn't always be paired with like market bazaars right but like that's kalimshan right but like Om isn't that way at all i went there in Baldur's gate the first episode or the the first game like it was just another fantasy city <laughs> like i i thought I'm, they were like oh you better not come into Om with your uh iron plague or whatever it was oh is that the second one there's shadows of Om. i don't know if that means they're North of Am in the lee of a big stone. I have literally no idea. I had never You're heard right. of Gate 2. In all honesty, I'm the kid doing a book report who didn't read the book. <laughs> <laughs> That's us. Look, this is basically a drunk history of Forgotten Realms. Okay? Exactly. If you didn't realize that by now, shame on you. <laughs> uh, next up is Chult. Uh, God damn it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it's not its own continent, so it didn't get a racism index. <laughs> right. <laughs> Chult, I guess, is fine. The jungles of Chult. <laughs> Can't go to hell uh, forever. <laughs> look, with these other places, we're like, ah, oh, these these were written a long time ago, so like, read it in that context. But like, they're problematic now. Chult, we got a what is it, Tomb of Annihilation? We got a Chult bulk like two years ago, uh, where it's market bazaars full of exotic flavors and brightly colored clothing, and there are jungles and bugs that will just kill you. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't need fantasy Africa, where again. 
the the people who are actually protagonists and have agency are probably people from far away. Yeah, and they have to go into the dark interior, right? Right, like, at the very least, have the default be that you are from Chult. Right. <laughs> That's what I you mean, do with every other setting. Hang on, you wouldn't want all your white D&D players to have to play <laughs> African-looking characters, okay? I mean, but you... <laughs> You might be right. (laughs) (laughs) If you do, if you don't. All right. Then central Faroon is uh, mainly the Dale lands. Yeah. Literally no one important came from there. Just ignore them. Yeah. Nobody cares. About Elminster. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to find anybody who's knowledgeable or powerful or sagely in any way here in the Dale lands. Those haven't been built out since 1988. Nope. No. No, sir. Uh, then you have the nation of Cormier. Which is medieval France, right? Isn't it? That's uh, where all the I, jousting happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think they have like that kind of the like knights errant sort of uh, vibe to them. Right. That's where the 5E uh, purple dragon knight comes from. Yeah. Or the, which the, no the one ever plays rat. because why would you? Uh, yeah, because it turns <laughs> out it's way easier to get expertise in persuasion elsewhere. <laughs> right. And to be any other paladin subclass. Oh, it's a fighter, my guy. Oh, my God. It totally is. It totally is. God, it is bad for a fighter. Sorry, it's Order of the Crown that I'm thinking of. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, then there are the border kingdoms, which are, what are they on the border of? Uh, so like, they're, they're on the border of like <laughs> the Chult. <map. laughs> they're on the border of like Chult and like whatever. It doesn't matter. They're just down there in the south. But like, uh. <laughs> they're, they're that place. Um, like in every fantasy setting has this. And like the, you know, the nonsense fantasy settings that I create to run games also always have this idea of like, it's the area where like the borders are constantly shifting and changing. Like political alliances are extremely ephemeral and like, you know, like any one group starts to get too powerful and everybody gangs up on them to beat them back down to oblivion. So like, it's just like there's a circle and like the pieces of the pies get divided up differently every few years, but like you never really know where you land. Great. Which is usually like, cool, set your game here. Like, you could do whatever you want with a political intrigue. Just learn who the players are. <laughs> Not in Forgotten Realms. <laughs> uh, oh, no, no. Every um, takeover and coup is time-stamped. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There is no room for improvisation there. Don't even try it. Just stay out. And then we have the East. We have Rashomon, which is, I guess, kind of Russia. Uh, it's run by... A cabal of masked witches. Um, you may have heard of it because this is where Minsk comes from. That's the only reason you've heard of it is because Minsk is from there. <laughs> is it weird that the character named Minsk is from Pseudo Russia? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like there, there are a lot of names out there that you can pick. I know, but okay, this is this is the Bon Jovi problem, right? It's just too good of a name not to give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, uh, you know, uh, it, it got referenced in. It got name dropped in. Um, uh, an American tale, right? The Great Mouse of Minsk. Is that true? It totally is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, so you need to go back and watch uh, An American Tale and An American Tale 2, Five Will Goes West. I know Five Will Goes West. He was going west to Rashomon. Oh, okay. <laughs> Checks out. All right. Then we have the Horde Lands, uh, the aforementioned Horde Lands in which the Genghis Khan equivalent is running around with his horseback barbarians conquering. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell any of them apart individually, so they just look like a horde. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. They also don't have individual goals or dreams or agendas or anything like that. Right. Well, I mean, there aren't women there, so... (laughs) Right. Right. Mooks for the slaughter. (laughs) Next up is Thay, which is um, magical assholes. 
the the red wizards of Thay. Yep, they're your uh, your ready off the shelf stock villain. Uh, they're usually like Randy and business evil. You know, yeah. it's like uh-huh. they do bad stuff because they get money for it. Um, but sometimes they're more like cackling evil of like we do bad stuff because we can, and also we're rich. And we're run by a lich, but you don't know that, but you kind of know that, don't you? <laughs> oh, I'll <laughs> let slip. I have to kill you. <laughs> I I will say this about the Red Wizards. Like, you're you're right. They're actually a pretty useful, um, like, antagonist that you can just pull out of your pocket ready-made. And, like, they already have goals because, like, hey, we're the Red Wizards. Of course, we're the bad guys, you know? Yeah, like, they but kind of thing... introduce themselves that way, right? <laughs> like, hey, kill me. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, that one thing that always bothered me about them, but probably now bothers me less, is I was always like, why would you let Red Wizards into your country? Everybody knows they're evil. It's like, it's like on their shirts. They're like, we're Red Wizards. We're evil. We're going to screw you and try to take over your country with bad magic, right? Right, right. But then I was like, well, I mean... People let Coca-Cola come into their country and start a factory. <laughs> hey, at least Coca-Cola creates clean water. I, I don't mean, think sometimes. The, the Red Wizards of Fae aren't <laughs> using a lot of, like, purify water and food. All right, how about BlackRock? Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they show up and you're like, well, I know you're do. I've heard you do bad things far away. But here, I'm getting money right now. So sure, set up shop. I don't care. Sell some potions, whatever. <laughs> What do you think BlackRock does? <laughs> Basically sells potions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mutual funds, potions. What's the difference? <laughs> what, basically, why are you allowed to have a charter? Oh, it's because the Red Wizards own a country. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and then also in the east, we have the Shining Lands, which are um, Africa and India sort of rolled into one. You know, into one. Because they're basically the same. Yeah, you know, they're on that far side of the map. Why, right. why, why give them any attention? Japan and China and put them together, too, and call it uh, Legend of the Five Rings. I mean, so, or Carator. Hey, uh, so did did it seem like there are a lot of matriarchal societies uh, in the Shining Lands to you? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think Halrua is run uh, by women. Um, th- there's another one that's like Evil Drow, and that's run by women. But, like, of course it is because it's Drow. Uh, why? Why do matriarchal societies always have to be <laughs> evil? I think this one gets like a solid eight on the racism index, but the sexism index, this one tops it at 10. <laughs> I mean, uh, we we almost couldn't even talk about the sexism index because oh my God. the female representation, not so much in the campaign setting itself um, over the years, but oh my God, and some of the novels and things are just, just bad. I mean, we're not going to Bechdel test any of them because... It's, it's how could you pointless right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> most of them don't have enough names to have spoken lines uh, i mean in the in the driss novels like there's caddy Bree. um she's the love interest for at least two of the protagonists because there's no other woman <laughs> <laughs> and she can't date uh brunar because she's his daughter <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then underneath all of this mess on the surface of Faerun is the Underdark, which is basically Hollow Earth. Uh, You've got a series of caves and caverns connecting underground through all of these passages to large cities of all the, you know, underdwelling races. Yeah, this is like journey to the center of the earth type caves, you know, like two, three thousand foot caves that somehow the ceiling is it's staying in place without necessarily magic. Right. Well, the thing is, only the Red Wizards of Thay have mineral rights. So, 
There's no risk of them falling down because they're not interested in drilling. <laughs> All right. So you here you'll get um, basically like settings in and of themselves, giant cities like Menzo Bronson, which is uh, where Drist came from in the first place. And I think, I don't know, the vast majority of uh, like some of the early Drist books take place. And, you know, Bob Salvatore spent a lot of time really delineating exactly how drought society works. And it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Yeah, that's the big that's the big drow city. Then there's like uh, Blingdon Stone, which is the Svirf Neblin city. And yeah, actually, Gontelgrim, the Dwarven I, I, city. Yeah, I like that. I like Blingdon Stone. Uh, it seems to be a place that like makes sense, right? Like it is just martial enough that you understand how they're not getting overrun, and just commercial enough that you understand how they make a living, you know. And mm-hmm. they're not stabbing their second cousin every third week and so you understand how it's still populated right (laughs) (laughs) uh but your underdark is going to give you your beholders your illithid your kiwatoa your drow your first nevelin your dwergar you know all the usual suspects of staying out of the sunlight yeah all your gray races yeah right (laughs) (laughs) i can't imagine any of them taste good i mean unless you're an illithid All Uh, all your gross races too they always put them down here Right, yeah, uh, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you? Who wants to see those in broad daylight? That's right. That's where Shar put them. <laughs> All right. Do we uh, we want to talk a little bit about religion in Forgotten Realms? I mean, it doesn't have any effect on the campaign setting itself. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. I, I, well, in a way, you're right, because other than the occasional cult that gets a, too big for its britches, like, the gods do what they do. I don't seem to understand how people have any impact on this other than the clerics being like literally all over the place everywhere in the world. I mean, so we have this big complaint that like there are these massively powered NPCs running all over the place who can fix any problem or or whatever. Um, but the gods also like just directly intervene. This isn't one of those settings where the gods are distant and you have to pray to them and you're just not sure if they exist. They exist. Sometimes they they show up and start walking around. Yeah, like Mistra, the goddess of retcons. <laughs> You know, and and sometimes you have powerful adventurers who end up becoming a god. So I don't know. Maybe that's what keeps them in line. I don't understand why all the gods aren't murdering everyone who hits level like 14. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) there should be a hard cap, right? Like like, um, evil overlord list 101, right? Don't let any plucky adventurers get too powerful. You know that like apotheosis requires level 20 because that's when the the campaign is ending. Okay. Kill them at least at 19. Nip those in the bud. Right. (laughs) Uh, Forgotten Realms does have the Raven Queen, which is the one goddess who is actually kind of cool around here. Yeah, she showed up in 4th edition in Points of Light and then uh, got reabsorbed. And I think she got retconned as one of those mortals who, what, like, dated and then killed Nairul, I think, is what she did. Yeah, I mean, you know, the usual way that you attend godhood, not through worship. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's for losers. But there are all the usual D&D gods here because I think before there was an official... Dungeons and Dragons Pantheon. It was just the Forgotten Realms Pantheon. We were just using Ed Greenwood's gods. Well, I mean, there was also Greyhawk, right? And and so much of that was like kind of, I mean, even so a lot of Forgotten Realms feels like ripped off from real world religion too. I mean, Greyhawk, yes, definitely. And then like Greyhawk and Forgotten Realms deities feel a lot like Greek and Roman gods where you're like, oh, yeah. that's just a different name, huh? Right. They're, they're different <laughs> names for the same domains. Right. Like, and and got, like the same your... personalities often too. Yeah, right. Like yeah. you're you're Grumsh and you're Coralon. Like, tell me the difference between them. Oh, uh, well, Grumsh has one eye. 
No, no, no. There's a difference between Gertrude <laughs> I know. Corlon and either setting. <laughs> <laughs> the god of the orcs only got one eye. <laughs> All right. So let's talk a bit about the long and tortured history of the Forgotten Realms in-game. Okay. I don't understand how anybody lives here. It must be like living in Marvel or DC where you're just like, oh, I guess the city's getting destroyed again today. <laughs> well, I mean, they're thousands of years apart. The only people who could notice are the elves. <laughs> well, and then like, uh, yeah, one generation of elves. The latest generation of elves is like everything sucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's true. If you're if you're the last generation of elves that had like the spell plague, the second sundering and the time of troubles all within 200 years. like. <laughs> What do we do? Okay, so let's go back to the original. Um, we talked about this a little bit in our uh, for our April Fool's joke episode, but like the setting starts with the Overgod Ao creates two uh, sister goddesses, and what do those two sisters do once they exist? Uh, they fight. Yeah, they fight with Saloon each other because because one's good, one's evil. You know, as you do. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. At least I don't think they had like human forms at the time. But you'd be like, oh, it's it's Betty and Veronica. Jesus. All right, fine. <laughs> anyway, like in the midst of their fighting and quarreling, they accidentally kind of create the world of Toral and Abir or whatever. I, it doesn't really matter. Uh, they also create like they seed all of the gods or more more most of them, I guess. Mm-hmm. Some of them ascend from mortality, but like you know notably Mistral, who is the goddess of magic who creates the weave, which creates magic for everybody. And that's what creates this fantasy world. And then the world was just kind of, you know, chugging along doing its thing until about 30. What was it? Oh, thousand, 30,000 30, <laughs> years later. Is that it? Yeah. Yes. Jesus. All right. I mean, Eberron's like 1 million years later. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, 30... <laughs> it's comically long from like a uh, telling a story sense. And it's also comically short from like a geology sense. Yes. Right. Like... Geologic time is like a different thing. <laughs> right. All right. So fine. 30,000 years later, um, the world looks much like it does currently in that it's like pseudo medieval, but technology is very high because people have like harnessed magic in order to create like flying cities and like the, the netheries or uh, like a cabal of human mages in a society built entirely on magic and all of their cities float and they're like in command of the world and they're so powerful that they've created epic spells. Yeah, there's the the Netheral Empire, right? Is like the the thing, and like I, I remember this getting referenced in Neverwinter Nights too, as like the Netheral did this, and whatever their leftovers are sort of right. like what's being coped with. Um, but this all comes down to yeah, like they're trying to create epic level spells, and the Archwizard Carsis uh, does a twelfth level spell, which is apparently one level too high. Yeah, uh, and, <laughs> and whoops, it broke. <laughs> like, you can't turn it up to 11, dude. <laughs> like, uh, Duh. Come on. <laughs> the, the dial doesn't go to 12. <laughs> <laughs> so he creates a spell, Carsus's uh, Avatar, which he should have known doesn't work because there are far too many, like, possessives and apostrophes in there. Like, right. come on, Carsus's? No, yeah. no. Branding. Simple what branding. What a terrible name. Exactly. Uh, the, and the only thing that that spell did is kill the goddess of magic and replace her with him. Because well, he wanted to ascend to godhood. This is how he's going to do it. And hey, guess what? It totally worked. It totally worked. Yeah. <laughs> Except it didn't because it broke magic. Yeah. 
<laughs> he was able to hold on to it for like uh, one round. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then all magic, I think, ended. Like it was basically an EMP that turned off all magic. And hey, guess what? Was holding up all those flying cities. Yeah. Yep. 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 So, so all all of the cities come crashing to the ground. However, knowing that uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or at least seeing one way out of this problem, Mistral sacrifices herself in order to like save magic and in the process is reborn as the goddess Mistra, which I assume was a typo at some point that had to be <laughs> canonized in a retcon because how dumb is that, honestly? Uh, you know, she has proclivities. She likes a name, okay? <laughs> I had it for 30,000 years. I'm going to switch things up just a little bit. You know, I'm mean, now Karen with a Y, not Karen with an E, okay? <laughs> I got a fresh new look. I got some yeah. summer bangs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I am on Tinder. <laughs> All right, so 1,500 years later, you know, more Forgotten Realm stuff until we come to the Time of Troubles, which uh, is perpetuated or, or initiated by two deities, Bane and Mirkol, who decide to steal the Tablets of Fate from Ao, And Ao wrecks the world because of that. Man, just he was just like, you know what? I know there's a lot of mortals, but I don't care. Um, I'm going to punish all my kids, yeah, all my exactly. little deity children. And how do I do that? What's the worst thing you can do to a god? Make them mortal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, super powerful mortals. This is this is just Thor, right? Right. Which came first? I don't know. Uh, so all of the gods become mortal, uh, and he basically says, "This is how it's going to work until one of you returns my tablets, you stupid kids." Yeah. And he keeps Helm as the single god, still uh, still with deific power, in order to guard heaven. And in the meantime, uh, all of these now mortal gods are running around as basically epic level adventurers. Um, I think some of them are also really tall. I think I remember something about Garl Glittergold, the gnome god, being like, you know, normal person height. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the time of troubles is like is like the first time that the realms gets like a huge change in the story to match a new rule set of the Dungeons and Dragons game. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this sets a precedent, right? Like. I think before, like the the conceit was that Forgotten Realms is like this is D and D's game. This is D and D's campaign setting. So it's kind of like Order of the Stick, where everyone who was in Forgotten Realms had you had to be able to like stat them out in some way. You know, like right. gods had stats. Elminster had like you know canonical like a stat block. I think he was I don't know like a a quadruple multi class epic spellcaster. Right. Right. <laughs> So when D&D switched to second edition, I guess the thought was, all right, magic works totally different now. We've, you know, we have different rules for spellcasters. Um, we have different rules for all different kinds of classes. How do we actually reflect this? Because now every spellcaster is going to be operating differently. And when we, when we tell the fiction in like novels, we have to talk differently about the mechanics of how this is all working. I guess we need to really shift things up so that there's an explanation for why the stories are different. Yeah, this is like a way of fixing the fact that they had started writing Forgotten Realm stuff in Dragon before publishing the campaign setting, mm -hmm. right? So it was like, hey, buy this box. It's different from the stuff you already read. All right, so eventually the tablets get given back, uh, I believe due to the questing by uh, 
an adventuring party? Oh, well, I mean, hold on. You, you've, you've missed the whole part where Mistra tries to fight Helm to fight her way back oh, into right. heaven. And then Helm <laughs> like smacks her down the celestial stairway and she lands at the bottom landing with a big magical explosion and that kind of ruins everything and then <laughs> i guess she yeah. wasn't all that mortal she exploded in magic <laughs> yeah so then some you know adventuring party comes along and tries to resurrect her and then the wizard becomes mistra i mean when you read that uh the woman in the party was named midnight uh and the goddess of magic was dead i think people should have been like well i guess we know who's going to be the new goddess of magic the names are just a little too similar <laughs> exactly all right, so this is all good through 3rd edition, and then come 4th edition, uh, 30 years later in the story, we have the Spell Plague. Uh, set about because Shar, remember her, uh, sister of Saloon, has the god Siric stab Mistra, the goddess of magic, and kill her. Because why not? Yeah. And unlike every other time she's been killed, which is many, uh, she doesn't get re- resurrected, and so magic is broken forever and voila fourth edition casting becomes like the new standard of magic right and the entire realms are sort of like scrubbed with steel wool in that you know some places are moved around and like mazdika shows up and i think um i believe in halrua every magic item and spell scroll all activates at the exact same time and then the entire country just explodes um so if your game was set in Halrua, you probably didn't enjoy that very much. Yeah, you know, Elminster <laughs> loses all of his powers. Like, uh, Toril and Abir are split. Like, Elementals and Primordials go to one, and everybody else goes to the other. Elementals and Primordials lying together. It's chaos. It's Bedlam. <laughs> <laughs> the World Tree now becomes the World Axis, which I'd, I'd never understood how there was so much... Uh, griping about a changing of a cosmology chart but here we are because now it goes in a circle instead of going up like branches Mm. i have a chart in my room in my bedroom in the inside of the closet yeah when you next to my robe (laughs) first you came for my npcs and then you came for my wall art (laughs) i hand lettered it (laughs) Uh, everybody hated this everybody Everybody hated hated this yep uh, I in mean, the world okay. and out of the world. <laughs> I mean, that's the end. Everyone who cared about this hated it. <laughs> uh, right. Many people did not care. <laughs> yes. But many loud people hated it. So um, when 5th edition came around, the Spell Plague was effectively retconned by Wizards of the Coast. Uh, they advanced the story 100 years, and it turns out Mistra wasn't killed by Siric. She was literally just taking a vacation uh she's back now she fixes magic things go back to the way they were more or less uh you know 130 years ago i mean divination is a spell she should be able to cast it she should be doing it every day am Um, i going to get killed today (laughs) (laughs) well that's why she took a vacation right that's my point like the thing is she didn't set her out of office and look what happens I know. Your emails just keep piling up and piling up. All those right. prayers. <laughs> so here we are. This is Forgotten Realms now. Congratulations. <laughs> All right. And that's where we are right now. Uh, basically where we were in third edition. Right. So let's talk about some themes that you might encounter in a Forgotten Realms game, uh, which is literally anything. Yeah, it's a kitchen sink. Uh, It is designed as a kitchen sink. It was built as a kitchen sink. It will always be a kitchen sink. If it exists, there's a place for it in Forgotten Realms. Uh, Not 
not necessarily like a good or intentional or thoughtful place for it, but God knows there's a place for it. Yeah, and that that's the thing. Like, if something new is introduced to D&D, it will be shoehorned into Forgotten Realms in some manner. Like, Dragonborn uh, were shoved in in 4th edition because now they're a PHP race. And then in 5th right. edition, they're like pulled way back, but they still exist. They're in there. There's like, I don't know, some tiny country full of Dragonborn somewhere far, far away. Yeah, don't ask. It's fine. Right. But like, it doesn't necessarily mesh well together so you can get into like conflicting views of what the realms look like i mean this is one of the main reasons that eberron exists in the first place is you know wizards was looking for a campaign setting where everything that exists in DD actually has a place where it fits in the story mm-hmm. uh, another big theme here is that there is just lots of lore um if you want a setting in which you can have any question more or less answered by the canon itself this is a great place for it because God knows Ed Greenwood has written a lot. Yeah. If you want to be the GM who gets a question about, you know, what is the name of the baker on this particular street in this particular city? And you, you want to be able to go look it up somewhere so that you know the right answer. Forgotten Realms is for you. Mm -hmm. If you want to be the person who says a random shop's name off the top of your head and, you know, wants your players to just be fine with that and not go look it up and prove you wrong. Um, I, I don't know if Forgotten Realms is necessarily the one you, you want to be playing in, at least in terms of like a canon Forgotten Realms game. I, I th- Yeah, see, I think that, that kind of brings us to the next theme, which is Angry Grogs. Most Forgotten Realms games don't care about any of this, right? <laughs> like most Forgotten Realms games are just taking advantage of a very narrow area and a very like generic fantasy that everybody recognizes the tropes of. Yeah, most Forgotten Realms games don't even advertise that they're in the Forgotten Realms. They take place in a town that happens to be in a country. And if someone asks me, oh, what's like 200 miles to the west, I can go look at a map. Yay. Right. But that community is still there. And they're loud and diligent, unfortunately. So it, it can be it can be one of those things where when you say Forgotten Realms, like there is broad expectation uh, about what that might mean. You know, mm-hmm. like like you mentioned, we're playing in a Forgotten Realms game tomorrow um, that we didn't even necessarily realize was set in Forgotten Realms. Like, we just know it was an old campaign module and we're playing it. Um, but, yeah, if you say that to somebody else, like, hey, we're playing this game in Forgotten Realms, like, that's going to mean certain things to them. And, like, those expectations are way broad on a spectrum, you know? Yeah. So you, you just have to be careful about what you're setting up. I think there are a couple of ways that this can actually be a good thing. Like we've seen even just on the discord, people have asked questions like, Hey, I'm in a, I'm in a group. And one of the people is really, really, really into the lore and really likes to correct people when they get the lore wrong, even the GM, you know? And of course this is like, this is an above the table problem. You know, this, this is something that can be handled um, maybe delicately, but, but it's something that I think is going to start coming up more and more when, one, people are quarantined, you're playing a lot of online games, and you don't necessarily like know the person that you're going to be gaming with, right? Um, also, you don't necessarily know who is like a Forgotten Realms lore geek who knows all of this stuff, right? Because it doesn't come up until you're playing in a Forgotten Realms game. And suddenly you're like, oh, yeah, uh, I, I know all about this. In fact, I've played through this old module or like I know what is underneath the yawning portal and that's not a surprise to me because mm-hmm. like I've, I've been through this and like I've read every single thing um, about the Forgotten Realms and that means that I know everything I probably know more than the GM 
Yeah, there's there's 40 years of history here that like is prone to lots of recycling. Yeah. Now, if you are a person who loves the realms, and there are many reasons to love the realms, if you're in a game with someone who doesn't know it as well as you, I think this is a really nice opportunity to be a resource for other people rather than someone who's correcting them. Like It's like being a rules lawyer. You know, If you know the system so much better than everyone else, you can, if asked offer either your opinion or what you know about it or like suggest the name or like I would love to have a player like sort of sitting right there at the table where someone's like oh what's the the shopkeeper's name you know or the the merchant's guild in in this town and I can look at them and be like uh what is it and then they can spout it off and be like there you go that's great I don't have to go look anything up right you know they feel useful it's taken like a burden off of me from having to fix things people at the table like feel appreciative these are all things you can do, grognards out there. Put that information to use by just suggesting that you can be a resource, not a foil. Okay, so let's talk about the races of the Forgotten Realms. Let's talk about drow. Yeah, so there's one true race, drow. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone else is lesser I mean, than drow. I mean, female drow. Female drow. Well, right. So uh, you're, you're right. Okay. So yeah. in order, okay. there are female drow, male mm-hmm. drow, and mm-hmm. everybody else. Right. Mm-hmm. And none of the everybody else matters at all. Don't even worry about it. Done. We're good. That was easy. Ah, Forgotten Realms. No, there's literally every race somewhere. Um, some in more problematic places than others. But yeah, if you want it, you can find it somewhere in Forgotten Realms. It means every bonkers homebrew and... Uh, every unearth arcana and every little nonsense thing you could possibly look, be looking for and find in any sort of supplement book from any edition, it's got some place in Forgotten Realms. Yeah, if you're walking down the street in Waterdeep, uh, yes, the alleyway has a group of Kenku rogues. Why would it not? And there's yeah. probably a Dragonborn ambassador somewhere. And you know what? That's probably an Asamar. That's why that person is so hot. Who who is that uh, climbing the the rigging of that ship in the harbor? Is that a Hadozi? Oh wow! Look at that, huh? Huh? You know what? There's a large community of Hadozi I hear uh, down at the docks. Uh huh. <laughs> and you know what? This this can be great actually because I think one of the sort of like pushbacks that some GMs or some groups have against some of the more uncommon races is that you're just like I. How does this even make sense? Like, why is this hobgoblin in this tiny thorpe? And why hasn't everyone, like, run them out of town or stabbed them in the night, right? But in Forgotten Realms, you can be in Waterdeep. You can be mm-hmm. in Baldur's Gate or Neverwinter or whatever, and no one will bat an eye at these things. Right, right. You can be a red wizard. <laughs> Hi, poison potions for sale. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Huh? These will kill your mom. Huh? <laughs> po- poison the firstborn. or your parents engineer your own exit (laughs) all right let's talk about some notable npcs and i say notable in a very air quotes kind of way uh there's elminster who is how (laughs) he's this the sage of shadowdale is that it yeah he is the the author insert he is the uh the gary stew who is the best at casting magic and the best at fighting. And he's like really old, but he doesn't look old because he's like perpetually young and he's super smart. And how many incarnations of the goddess of magic has he slept with? Uh, All of them? I think all of them. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure. I mean, okay. Like all that really needs to be said about Elminster is that like 
Ed Greenwood shows up to conventions cosplaying his own character. So <laughs> come on. All right. Let's talk about some more interesting characters uh, like Halaster. I like Halaster because he's Halaster insane. Black Cloak. Is that right? Uh, or is that Kelvin? Think- oh, it's Kelvin Black Staff. I think it's Halaster Black Cloak. I believe yeah, so. Because, yeah. you know, I guess wizards are in the 90s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Halaster's the Mad Mage. Uh, he's a crazy person. Um who created Undermountain, which is an ever-changing maze underneath Waterdeep, and I and technically underneath the Yawning Portal Inn <laughs> in Waterdeep, um, that he just fills with monsters that he teleports from other places. That he, that he fills with monsters that he kidnaps from other right. places. Yeah, teleport is a nice way of saying uh, traffics. Right. You live here now. And he does it uh, kind of as a test for adventurers, Kind of just to like satisfy his whims because when you're an epic level spellcaster, what are you going to do? You can't kill the goddess of magic and replace her. Everyone knows that's not allowed. Right. So I don't know. I guess you're going to like make dungeons, but you know, at least there's a canonical reason that there are crazy dungeons in Forgotten Realms. Right. And then there is Lariel Silverhand, uh, who graces the name of the latest D&D product. Oh, yeah. The dice. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, she's one of the seven sisters. I think she was a chosen, I think she's one of the ones who's still alive. I think the symbol's dead. There was a character named the symbol. I think she's dead. (laughs) Cool. Good to know. (laughs) Cool. So then there are, there are other characters who are not like amazingly epically powerful. There are people like Durkan or even, even Dristordan and his companions like Bruno Battlehammer, um, his enemy Artemis and Treri. Like these are mortals who are like very powerful and very skilled. I I prefer dealing with these NPCs in a game, either as a GM or as a player, because they're at least on a level where you can potentially deal with them, or like you might have something that they want, or like you can you can actually do something for them, and they can't solve the problems, right? Like if you're in a war with Drist and he's on your side, he can't just solve this war by himself. Well, you, not you with that kinda... attitude. <laughs> you know, one tiny dex-based cut at a time. Yeah. one figurine of wonder's power at a time (laughs) literally just the one he has the one (laughs) exactly and once per day at that (laughs) bob salvatore better known as the creator of guinevar yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) and her human pet (laughs) um okay so let's move on into some plot hooks i don't think we need to beat these to death obviously these are all playable in dungeons and dragons fifth edition um so yeah let's just Go through these. Okay, we've made these up ourselves. Um, Tiamat, let's just say, is trapped in hell and the dragons are trying to find a way to help her escape. Uh, let's say there are four cults of the each of the princes of the elemental evil, which are causing disasters across Faerun. Can the heroes figure out why they're doing it and stop them? I think four was a good choice. Four is a good number for cults. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. elements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What if the heroes are taken prisoner in the Underdark, and while they attempt to escape, they realize that demons are plotting to take over the world from below? I like that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if there is a storm giant who holds the rest of the giants at bay, but he has gone missing? Oh, no, the storm king. Uh-oh. <laughs> Ishan? What if a bard gives you a tip on a massive dragon horde hidden in the city of Waterdeep? Will your adventurers find it? Wait, I have an idea. What if once they find that horde, they discover an entrance to a giant dungeon underneath Waterdeep constructed by a crazy wizard? Do you think they would go in and steal their stuff? Which crazy wizard? Um, I, I don't know. Let's just say Halaster, right? Uh, he's there. We might as well use him. Let's just pull him in, right? He's okay. there. 
All right, all right. Uh, what if... Uh, okay, so hear me out. Okay. The city of Baldur's Gate, normally pretty corrupt, right? Totally. What if things get worse? Oh, my God. And then the heroes descend into the Nine Hells and Whoa. put an end to it. <laughs> the Nine Hells? Yeah. Well, at least the cl- first hell. Do they have to climb one of down- the Nine Hells. Yeah. Do they have to climb down the world tree to get there? <laughs> hey, look. <laughs> I don't write the rules, okay? that's It's just a plot hook. You do what you do in your game. Uh, in my game, we play Nebron. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that brings us to a conclusion. <laughs> uh, we always ask the question, would you play Forgotten Realms? All right, so Shane, would you play a game set in the Forgotten Realms? Yeah, duh, obviously. I mean, I can make fun of Forgotten Realms, but like, I'm never going to turn it down because like, it's it's the vanilla to me. You know, like All the things I hate about it, I'm going to hate regardless, and all the things I like about it are fine, basic fantasy tropes that keep the game going in an easily translatable D&D way. Yeah, we're all on the same page when we're playing Forgotten Realms, right? Like, we all know what to expect. Right, and I don't play with people who are super groggy about anything, frankly. So, (laughs) I just, I'm not going to be exposed to that kind of issue, even though it is probably slightly more prevalent with Forgotten Realms fans than it is in other settings. Look, I'm such a grognar that I don't even use D10s, okay? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Those aren't platonic solids. Uh Get them out of here. Yeah, I mean, what... What choice do you have? If you are an avid D&D gamer, you're going to end up playing in the Forgotten Realms because someone is going to set a game that you're in there and like just roll with it. Great. You know, why not? Plus, like I have so many good memories of one playing in games that were set in the Forgotten Realms and it wasn't because they were in the realms, but they happened to be. And also like I played a lot of Neverwinter Nights and a lot of Baldur's Gate and a lot of Icewind Dale and, you know, that... It, at times when I couldn't get a gaming group together before like internet gaming was really like a huge thing, it those were really great to get my gaming fix and my lore fix and, and you know, just to like stay connected to the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I like there's that weird thing where like it's tropey now, right? But for a long time, Forgotten Realms was developing these tropes mm-hmm. that became super useful shorthand, right? In a way that I wouldn't necessarily jump right into a Greyhawk game because Greyhawk has like a lot of baggage to it, you know, and like doesn't have all necessarily those baseline assumptions that we have in fifth edition. Um, even though I've played Greyhawk and loved that too. So, you know, like forgotten realms is an easy place to land. If you don't have another place in mind and you don't want to go through the work of building it yourself, like it has a lot of resources available. Every D and D product in your current edition is going to fit forgotten realms. Like Mm -hmm. it, it, it has a lot of charm to it. Um, you know, and like whether or not you can enjoy playing in it doesn't mean it's good or bad, right? Like it doesn't say anything about you to enjoy Forgotten Realms or not enjoy Forgotten Realms either. Yeah, watch us play tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I guess that's a resounding sure. Why not? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm playing a Draw Ranger though. I mean, you'd be <laughs> foolish not to. <laughs> They're so OP. Yeah, exactly. You can't go out in sunlight and you can't do anything as a ranger, so perfect. We showed those Driss fanboys for sure. Man. Do I start with a figurine of wondrous power? You might as well start. <laughs> All right. I can hear Podcat in the background, which means I have to ask you, Shin. Do you hear it? I do. Wow. At first, I thought it was a baby, but I know that you don't have a baby. I mean, unless you've like inherited a plague baby. I have no plague baby. Okay. <laughs> so normally that would mean it's time to move on to the character creation forge. 
Uh, but since we're skipping the character creation forge, let's just tell our listeners how to get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane <laughs> at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N dangerous. Just roll with it. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice Minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. You can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at TotalPartyThrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. All right, so before we wrap this up, we want to take one more moment and blame our Patreon supporters. This is all your fault. You made us do this, and we appreciate it so much. We did this episode as promised when we hit $300 a month on the Patreon. We appreciate that support so much. It took a huge drive of momentum from our Discord, from our Twitter, uh, from new listeners and old listeners alike banding together to make this happen. It's kind of ridiculous that you did it in all honesty but yeah just to spite us yeah exactly <laughs> also this was the thing we thought we would never hit so we were like fine we'll do forgotten realms when we hit 300 dollars, whatever yeah exactly like <laughs> who, would, who would do this so it's it's a it's an amazing milestone for us uh it's very heartwarming for me personally uh so i i really appreciate all the support over the past five years yeah wow it has been that long yeah man so we're here still here uh, and if um, you're waiting on some Patreon rewards, those are coming. Just got to figure out how to, you know, get to the post office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> slight, slight plague delay. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to learn more about Patreon, you can check out our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. We are uh, barreling along to the next reward, which I believe Shane... <laughs> involves it, your mom it's D with my mom <laughs> i think we're gonna put a reward in at 350 we haven't quite figured out what yeah it's gonna we'll be. see what it is 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 it gonna be a forgotten realms game that she plays in uh i mean i don't see how it would be anything else it's all the basics <laughs> it's all it's all she knows it's her favorite setting it's her favorite setting yeah <laughs> uh it might have to be game of thrones so she'll understand it <laughs> oh god all right fine <laughs> All right, so what do we have planned for next week's episode? Well, you know, it is the time of pandemic, so we are talking about playing during this pandemic. And in the Character Creation Forge? We are building the Nosomatic Chirurgeon. Well, that's it for episode 244 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. Behind the safety of the Humblewood and travel down the Tangrip coast to the Bay of Palouche, home to both the Kingdom of Den and the Serpent Domain. But neither hold the true power of the Bay, for that lies in the sea itself and the pirate lords that call her tides their own. The Dread Pirate Captain Bluebeak, Tiberius Fang, Kin the Bladeless, and Gabrielle Flor, the self-proclaimed Pirate Queen. Each one vying for power over the very tides themselves. But do any of them really have what it takes to hold up the legacy of the briny bulldog? Tune in each week to find out if our little crew has what it takes to stand up to the pirates of the blood-soaked waters. Dark Fortunes is available every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Set sail for high seas adventure.